0: SOS Radio On Demand. It
1: changed my heart. On Demand. It changes your life. Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast.
0: Jerry B. Jenkins has written over 200 books in his career, including the Left Behind series, which has sold like 63 million copies, but he's joining us today on SOS
1: Radio. How are you, Jerry? Doing great, Scott. Great to be with you.
0: So the Chosen series broke all kinds of records as the largest crowdfunded TV project ever. And your son, Dallas Jenkins, started that. But what message do you think that sent uh, the traditional model of Hollywood filmmakers?
1: (laughs) Well, it's really turned it on its ear. In fact, um, a lot of people in Hollywood are trying to emulate what Dallas and his crew have done. I think what they miss is the fact that you have to start with a really high quality product. You can't just throw anything out there and say, well, let's try to crowd fund it or let's try to do it this way, make it free and then pay it forward, et cetera. What makes that thing work is that tipping point where people tell other people, you know, they're, they're at over 400 million views now. So something's working and I'd love to take credit for Dallas, but this is all his own deal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. And I've heard there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears and even spiritual warfare that went along with getting that project moving, huh?
1: yeah, and there still is. I mean, they're they're shooting season three now, and they've just been delayed by Covid and by weather and by, you know, all kinds of uh, obstacles. But those are the things that make you uh, do your best work sometimes, I think
0: we're talking with Jerry B. Jenkins, and he's one of the authors of The Left Behind series. But recently he's taken the themes from the Chosen series on TV and, put some of these stories into novel form. I mean, The Chosen tells the story about Jesus, obviously, Jerry, but what do you think most people miss about the motivation behind his disciples? I mean, these were regular fishermen. These were rough, blue-collar guys that were uneducated.
1: Yeah, that's I think, is the thing most people do miss. When you read the Scripture, you sometimes picture the disciples who became the apostles as sort of— statues or stained glass window paintings or something like that, and they're hard to identify with. Now, we know Jesus can be hard to identify with because he's perfect, but one of the things that the chosen has done is try to make all this as authentic as possible. So they give Jesus a sense of humor, which is hinted at in the New Testament, makes him very accessible even though he's perfect, we can identify with him because he's like friend. As far as the disciples, you're right; they're regular guys, and they're flawed, and they're sinful, and they make mistakes, and they backslide, just like us. And Dallas's dream, and my dream in the in writing the novels, is that readers and viewers see themselves in these characters and say, "Look, we don't have to be perfect saints. We need to be real people, and always be." in the scripture and go into church. You know, some people will say, well, don't let this substitute for church. We would never want that to happen. We don't want that to substitute for scripture either. We want people driven back to the Bible and back to their churches so they can really live authentic lives and get to know Jesus the way that disciples did.
0: You know, when we're thinking about the story of who Jesus is and the disciples that he chose to walk with him, I mean, walking up to fishermen and saying, hey, come follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And, you know, Peter just left behind this small business that he had right there. And even like James and John, they left their dad's boat and all the hired hands that were there decided to follow Jesus. I mean, it's interesting as an author, you know, you look beyond just the characters, but the setting is one of the things that's so unique about century Israel.
1: Yeah, it's a wonderful place to visit and to, to see, for one thing, how small it is, how compact it is, and then what the, the challenges are. I mean, it's desert, it's dusty, and yet somehow, as you say, when Jesus said to these guys, follow me, they dropped everything and followed him. Matthew did the same. He was a tax collector, a rich guy, an enemy of his own people because he would extort from them, and something was so compelling about Jesus and so attractive about him that all he had to do was say, follow me. And they did it. I mean, uh, that's a lesson for all of us. And uh, when we really get to know Jesus, that's all we want to do is follow him. So
0: Jerry, what grabbed you most as you started really digging into Matthew's story this time when you decided to write the novel, The Chosen, Come and See?
1: With Matthew, it's interesting because I don't think I've ever seen him portrayed this way before, but Dallas and his co-writers actually portray Matthew as someone who's on the, the autism spectrum, whether it's Asperger's, which they wouldn't even have known what to call it back then, or autism. He's a quirky guy, and so many people have identified with that, and so many families that have autistic children say the kids watch that and can get it, and You know, Dallas himself has a daughter who's autistic, our granddaughter. She's a beautiful girl. She's very high-functioning. She's in her own grade in high school, but she is autistic, so he's sensitive to that. And the actor who plays Matthew is just brilliant at this. And, of course, he's not on the spectrum. He's a great actor, but he Mm -hmm. just plays it so well. I was taken with how Matthew, even though he's been an enemy of of his own people, and even the disciples don't accept him at first because— Uh, They were victims of his. He gave up everything. In fact, his Roman guard is telling him, are you out of your mind? You're giving up everything. And he makes that decision. And he's as firm in that decision as he is persnickety about numbers and and, uh, (laughs) all the details that go into existing every day. I was really moved by that character as I was with several others. I mean, I loved Mary Magdalene, when Jesus calls her by name. Nicodemus, when Jesus asks him to follow him and he, he refuses him, and then feels horrible about it. And of course, Simon is a great character too. I just love getting to know these characters.
0: Jerry, what did you notice about how tax collection worked back in first century Israel? I mean, today we think about the IRS, and we file our forms, and you know everything's pretty straightforward except for like, what your percentage actually is. But these guys back then were considered pretty shady, and they were also kind of considered traitors by the Jewish people.
1: Yeah, they really were. What Rome did is that they basically recruited Jews to collect taxes from Jews because they knew the people. They knew where they lived. They knew who they were. They knew what their businesses were and that type of thing. And so Rome would hire these tax collectors and and give them certain districts, and they would say, here's how much they need to pay us, this tribute to Rome. And so let's say that, you know, in in our money, let's say that's $100 a month somebody was going to have to give. Matthew could go to that person and say, your tribute to Rome is $140 a month. And he would get a percentage of the hundred that goes to Rome because they're paying him to do this. He would also get that extra 40 because he's extorting it out of them. And if they know that it's more than it's supposed to be and they challenge that, he can tell them, look, you keep paying that figure and I'll let you slide a little bit. You can go an extra month, you know, take more time. Well, that's attractive to somebody who's living hand to mouth. Then they get behind and he charges his own interest on top of that tax. The tax collectors lived in mansions in the nicest part of town, but they were hated by everybody. They were spit upon. They were cursed because they were, in essence, betraying their own people. It's really quite a system for Matthew to come out of that, just follow Jesus and virtually have no income. He's just a vagabond following this traveling preacher. is an amazing turnaround.
0: Now, Jerry Jenkins has written 21 different books and the New York Times bestseller list. We're talking with him on SWS Radio today. The life of a Jesus follower obviously faces a lot of ups and downs, and regardless of what we go through on this side of eternity, we have that promise of eternal life with Jesus in paradise. And Jerry, Jesus promises that we're going to face trouble and we're going to face hardships in this world. So it should probably come as no surprise And when bad things come our way, you know, you're going to learn some things about that. But Jerry, what have you learned about how to reconcile the suffering that this world brings with the goodness of God?
1: Well, I've found that it's it's really convicting for me. I mean, I was raised in an era where too often we would hear from people who were sharing their faith or trying to get people converted— they would say, come to Jesus, and your life will be all rosy from then on. And that was just a lie. I mean, the scripture itself says man is destined for trouble, as surely as sparks fly upward. And as you say, Jesus said, you know, if you follow me, you will suffer. You will have enemies. Paul writes about that, that we're going to face hardships, and we should count it all joy. That's the bad news. We need to tell the truth. The good news is, as you say, eternity with Jesus the bad news is it's going to cost you, and, and if it's not, something's not right. If you're just breathing along in your Christian life and thinking everything's going to be rosy, it's going to really be a shock to you when trouble comes if you think that's the way it's supposed to be. If we're living consistently for God and living for Christ and and sharing our faith, we're going to face persecution, and we're not immune to hardship. Some of my best friends are evangelists and missionaries, And they suffer way more than I do that with losing children or or having a house burned down or having some huge setback. And you wonder why? Why are they not blessed? Why doesn't God look down and say, well, they're serving me, so I'm going to give them this easier life. It's just not the way it's meant to be. Our reward comes later. So that's the message that we need to get to people so that they know what they're getting into.
0: We're talking with Jerry B. Jenkins. He's a best-selling author today at SWS Radio. He's taken the stories from The Chosen and put them in novel form. His new book's called The Chosen Come and See. His son, Dallas Jenkins, was the creator and the director for The Chosen. But Jerry, it's interesting because when we dig through all these characters, Mary Magdalene's a very interesting one because she's not one of the twelve disciples, but she's one that's showcased a lot through the Gospels. And as you Started to study Jesus' relationship with Mary, the disciples' relationship with Mary. What did you notice that God was doing in her life?
1: The critics today say, "Oh, if you're an evangelical Christian, you must hate women." Well, Jesus certainly didn't hate women. He had women who followed him, and there are many women mentioned in the New Testament who were very instrumental in in supporting him and being with him. The thing that moved me so much about Mary Magdalene is it. We speculate that she might even have lived under a phony name for a while because she was so ashamed of her past and of her lifestyle and everything. But Jesus knew her name and called her by name and told her, I have redeemed you. You are mine. People who see that are just moved to their core. And so many, especially women, will say, that's my story. I felt like I wasn't seen by God. I felt like I was rejected for my life. And yet to see Jesus deliver her of demon possession, redeem her and call her by name. And then we see her backslide too. That's A lot of people had a problem with that. They said, how could she backslide when she's been redeemed and delivered and all that stuff? That's real life. That's where we all are. None of us are living perfect lives this side of heaven. We're working at it and we're, we're growing and we're being sanctified, but we're going to fail and we're going to fall back. And Jesus forgave her, Jesus forgives us too. So there's an awful lot happening with Mary in in the show and in the books. It's
0: interesting how you bring up the Mary Magdalene backslid. And I think for a lot of the disciples after Jesus was crucified, they've got to be going like, oh, wait, um, this isn't quite what I thought. Or maybe I had an idea of what was going to happen. and certainly didn't play out that way. And even... Simon Peter is going, uh, he denies Jesus three times, just like Jesus said he would. And then he just goes back to fishing and it's like, I'm out, I'm out. I I love the fact that there's that redemption in the story because yeah, we have all had doubts. We've all made dumb choices. Even when we had rich experiences with Jesus.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, Jesus is trying to convince them all along. I didn't come here. I'm not the Messiah that you think is going to overthrow Rome and make things all right now for the Jews. I'm here to usher in the kingdom of God. They didn't quite catch it, but they do believe he's the Messiah. And imagine how they felt when the one they believe is from God, from heaven, the Messiah, their Savior, and he says he'll never leave them or forsake them, and then he's crucified. They must have gone could we have been wrong? Were we fooled? Was he just one of these charlatan preachers that goes around claiming to be something he's not? That's why, of course, we haven't gotten to that part in the in the show or in the books yet, but boy, the resurrection and him revealing himself to his disciples after the resurrection. imagine these guys realizing he is who he says he is, and it's going to change our lives and and even Peter, here's a guy that you know says he'll never turns back on Jesus, and yet he does, and rejects him three times. He's also forgiven three times later, but he becomes the most bold proclaimer of the gospel uh, in the book of Acts, in the new early church. So uh, there's a huge character arc that's beautiful for a novelist to write, especially when you know it's a true story.
0: And I think the part that a lot of people miss about that is when the disciples were walking with Jesus, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in their heart like we do. That all happened after Jesus rose from the dead and then went back up to heaven and then the day of Pentecost. And it's like they were walking through that without the Holy Spirit pushing
1: through. That's right. They had Jesus until he was transfigured into heaven. Then they had to wait for the Holy Spirit to really be empowered. And that's going to be a powerful scene too.
0: It's profound to me because we have that same power in our heart today. And after Jesus ascended into heaven for a period of time, they were trying to do it without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's right, exactly. So that just encourages me when we're going through our struggles, you know?
1: Yeah, we have the same resurrection power that they got from, from on high at the day of Pentecost.
0: Jared, what do you think we miss about the kingdom of God that Jesus describes all throughout the Gospels?
1: Well, I think the, the, the toughest thing is how hard it is to relate to Jesus because he's perfect. And that's why I love the fact that Dallas and his writers have given Jesus this sense of humor and this friendliness and this you know accessibility. And when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God coming to earth, it's a precursor. He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming to earth and the church becoming the kingdom before we go to heaven. And so that's our job. Our job is to, once he's ushered in the kingdom... Uh, we are the kingdom. We are the bride of Christ. We're the ones to try to make sure no one else is left out. And that's what we, we ought to be about every day is is trying to share our faith with people who don't know.
0: Uh, We're talking with Jerry B. Jenkins today at SWS Radio, and he's a 21-time New York Times best-selling author. But he actually took the stories from The Chosen, Series 2, well, in Series 1 as well, but has taken those and put them in novel form. And The Chosen, Come and See is the second book in that. And his son, Dallas, actually was a creator of The Chosen. Jerry's taken those stories and brought them to life. And so if you like to read along with that, that is out. Thank
1: you so much, Jerry. Hey, great to be with you. Always a good time. Thanks for downloading the
0: SOS Radio Podcast. If you enjoy the discussion and want to help the podcast grow, you can make a $10 donation through sosradio.net or inside the SOS Radio app. Thanks for your generosity. It helps us experiment with new things and keep the discussions fresh.